You're listening to SBS News. The Hills region of Western Sydney, what is today a dense suburb, used to be scattered little villages. And this is where, in 1811, an adventurous Greek man became a loner. This is the story of George Emmanuel, who seems to be the first documented Greek migrant to Australia. George was first discovered by Costas Marcos, a Victoria-based Greek-Australian. Through archives, Costas established that George Emmanuel arrived in 1811, was a sailor, and after a few years serving on more boats and a brief stint in jail, he became a farmer in the Hills region of what is now Western Sydney. He was classified as a farmer, but he was classified more or less as a, an orchard owner. So he, must, he, he did have land in that particular area, according to the land documents that I've, I have in my possession. So he was um, growing fruit and selling it at the Sydney markets. George came from the Greek island of Corfu, one of the Union Islands of the western shore of Greece. There is a prison record, I think it's an 1832 prison record, which indicates his birth uh, place as being Corfu. But George left Corfu to join the British Royal Navy and under the command of Admiral Nelson in Egypt at the Battle of the Nile against Napoleon. That gave him some notoriety in the region of Castle Hill. It was as if you were looking upon royalty. It was the unique factor. And that gave him an incredible amount of respect amongst those residents. So not only was he a seaman, a mariner, but he also was a person that participated, maybe perhaps paid by Lord Nelson in the Battle of the Nile. How did George Emmanuel end up in Australia is an interesting question. Vrasidas Karalis is chair of the modern Greek department at the University of Sydney. He sees George as an adventurer. He was a a fortune seeker. He was going from different places as well. And uh, I think that uh, his participation to the British Navy gave him the opportunity to, you know, to reach the colonies. You know, one of the Argonauts, he wanted to be um, a a sort of a kind of landlord, a landowner, which was impossible in Corfu, where I was based on extremely important um, and domineering aristocracy. Costas concurs that George must have shared the adventurous streak of his countrymen. Who seamen from the Ionian Islands used to work uh, through various ports in uh, Britain and uh, they would venture off to various uh, countries in the world. He was probably just uh, an employed seaman seeking a wage and adventure. They were very extremely adventurous people, uh, uh, these particular seamen. But an event seems to have put an end to his adventurous spirit and turned George into a peaceful farmer in New South Wales. Initially, George kept working as a sailor based from Australia and found himself in the crew of a ship called the Belinda. Dr. Ross Anderson is curator of maritime heritage at the Western Australian Museum in Perth and knows the story of this ship. Well, Belinda was a wooden brig. And what's really interesting is it's the first um, sealing voyage to Western Australia. So suddenly they realised all these seals were on the islands and they could be hunted and killed and and, um, skinned and the fur pelts could be sold to China. The sealing vessels would drop people off on the islands, collect a, a big pile of seal pelts, and then they would pick them up on the way back 
It was like a gold rush. But the Belinda is first and foremost famous as a shipwreck. It's about 100 kilometres east of present-day Esperance at the western edge of the Great Australian Bight. So everyone survived, but the ship, the ship was destroyed. And, and um, so they had these the smaller boats that when they got to the islands, the crews would be able to row ashore. And th- their only real option was to try and sail these small boats back to Sydney. Um, and they didn't get too far, probably less than, less than 200 kilometres, when one of the little boats also got wrecked and they ended up going back to... Middle Island, where they had to survive for a few months until the next sealing season when a sealing vessel came along. Costas discovered George was one of the marooned sailors of the Belinda. His name does appear on the crew list of the Belinda in 1824. They departed uh, Sydney in 1824 in May in search of um, seals and in search of furs, for seal furs. After this, George Emmanuel became sedentary. He got a land grant in the Castle Hill area west of Sydney and became a farmer. Pam Wilson is secretary of the Hills District Historical Society. I did find some information, so I know where he lived. It's now called Cherrybrook, near Dural, but in the early days it was part of Castle Hill. I remember going past the house in the 1960s up to the 1980s and then it was demolished. And there's actually a photo of the house, which was timber and brick, in the the Hornsby Library collection. She describes life in the Hills region at the time. They were self-sufficient because there was no shops to go to. So you had to have your own vegetables to grow and they had their own milking cow and they would often have some pigs to slaughter as well and chickens. For Professor Carales, George was an outlier in an English world. He was one of the few non-English property owners that we have in that period in the colony. So it means that either made money quite easily or he had money himself as well. So that's a very interesting case as well to understand the, if I may say, the political and the social conditions of such individuals in the colony. Essentially, we're talking about 20 years after its establishment. But even in the hills, George was not exactly a quiet man. Costas discovered that George got involved in brawls and was twice arrested. There were minor misdemeanors, to be honest with you. I'm assuming that even though there were minor misdemeanors and it was just a question of theft, that the penalties were extremely heavy at that particular time. Being a, uh, a colony of convicts, they were extremely strict with the penalties that they issued. This landed him in prison in Cockatoo Island for three years in 1863. Libby Bennett of the Harbour Trust tells us how a man like George could end up there. In the sort of later years of the convict settlement, there were local convicted people that were also sent there. Life for, the, for convicts on the island was pretty grim. They often had to do hard labour, building a lot of infrastructure in their own barracks. The rations that they were given were very limited, generally a portion of, of meat, no vegetables and some maize. Libby says the conditions George faced in Cockatoo Island must have been very hard. The sleeping conditions were also very, very tough. They were placed into wards at night time for about 12 hours every evening. It was very stuffy, very smelly. There was obviously no toilet facilities. They were just given a bucket. They could cite the colony, you know, the Sydney colony, normal life happening across the, the river while they were so close but so stuck on this 
this island. Professor Karalis comments on this turning point in George's life. Of course, that you can to attribute that to his character, if, I, I, if I'm not wrong. Eh? But then, when he came back, he became extremely sort of a law-abiding, and um, he actually became one of the most important uh, pillars of his society back then, as we see from his death certificate from, by the Paramatta Court House. But George will not end his life without leaving us one last surprise. In 1876, at the age of 99, he finally got married. He only had two years left to live, but he was not going to leave them without a bride. Costas thinks the marriage was simply a way to guarantee an inheritance to a woman who was basically his carer. For me, it was extremely meticulous. He, he knew that it was, he was coming towards the end of his life. He knew that he needed a carer. And irrespective of that care was, you know, taking advantage of him, he, it wasn't his prime concern. His prime concern was that he was going to have a peaceful death and someone that was going to, uh, someone that was going to care for him. It, it probably wasn't even something um, unusual in that period of time. An article about George's wedding, published in 1938, reached the same conclusion. George's colorful life tells the tale of a man hungry for experience, who ended up taking roots in what was then an isolated place. Professor Karalis asked himself the questions of what it would have meant for George. George Emanuel, or Manuel, was probably one of the first Cecil who made a rational choice, a conscious choice, to stay in Australia while he could have left. Obviously, he left the place, obviously, like the opportunities that the place gave to him. And then finally, if I understand well, he liked, uh, essentially, the adventure the new country offered. George Manuel died in 1878 and rests in an unmarked grave in the Wesleyan Cemetery in Cherrybrook. The end of an adventurous life in the land where he chose to remain. I am Julien Oyer from SBS, bringing this podcast series to you. Each episode is about the earliest documented person to settle in Australia permanently that we managed to identify from each community. If you are aware of someone who settled even earlier, or the first migrant from any other community, we would love to hear from you and welcome your story. Please write to us at radio.news at sbs.com.au. 